0: 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Somebody Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. And
1: we're going to make it out of here. We got to work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. She was hired to fix DC's 911 problems.
2: It was the worst I'd ever seen.
1: But instead says she was fired for exposing the failures. The blame belongs in leadership. Now the I team digs into what fueled the mayor's decision. Tonight on 7
0: News at 5.
3: No place to escape to. This is the last. On the left. <laughs> Rise up of your That's when the cannibalism started. What was
0: that?
1: So I'm listening to the radio, of course, mm. uh, rocking all the classics. Yeah, you 25. rocking the classics? Oh, yeah, number 25, Sirius XM. Love it. I love Peter Gabriel. Unironically. <laughs> what?
2: Okay, hold on oh, a second. Listen to me. Did we did we agree to make this another Grandpa podcast? I <laughs> thought we gonna... were trying to be young and hip. That's oh, this is how you get back around. You have to go all the way back
1: around. But uh-huh. what is it with like Peter Gabriel and Sting and I'm going to lump Paul Simon in there because okay. they're all yeah. the same shape. Yeah. <laughs> Why at they some are. point, what record producer is like? Hey guys, go out there and buy a bunch of African people. And make them play with you. Why do they go through that period of time where there's a bunch of people where I don't know if they're even thrilled to be playing with them or not?
2: You know that was the diversity of the '80s music. There uh-huh. was uh, what was it, Live Aid, or the song? You know, but this is side stories, by the way. I am Ben Kissel, Henry Zabrowski. We're joined by Marcus Barks. Hello. Um, when they sing that song, I forget the piece of crap that did it. Do they know it's Christmas? Mm-hmm. And, and I that just want to know, George I, Michael. I think no. It was a whole, it was everyone. Ah, uh, yeah, but, but, but George going, Michael was in charge of it. But I wanted to ask George Michael was to, in charge
1: at, of Live Aid?
2: N- no, I mean, in charge of Do they know it's Christmas? No, it was another guy. He was a scam artist. He had like blonde hair. He's a total d. But I wanted to ask them. I just wanted to kind of like shout a response. Be like, do you know they're Muslim? (laughs) Because they don't have to celebrate Christmas. You freaking morons! Do they know it's Christmas? Do
1: they care? I don't think so. I never expected George Michael to be like Elon Musk. I don't think he's a genius in disguise. Right? He just got. He's got a beautiful apple bottom, and he knows how to pump out the songs. And now he's Mm -hmm. dead.
2: Kissel, how do you feel? Oh, yeah. I actually feel horrible. I love George Michael. Big fan.
4: And there was one guy who was able to actually incorporate the uh, African influence incorrectly. That would be David Byrne.
2: David Byrne. He's
4: who great. Nailed it. Because great. I can
1: actually dance to it. The rest <laughs> uh... is all just Starbucks music. An alternative to that? <laughs> what happens with that?
2: I don't know. They <laughs> no, drain when, when...
1: all of the good stuff out of the culture, and then they just add marimbas.
2: As we learn, when Hollywood gets woke the green book wins an oscar (laughs) so it's it's almost like they went they missed the mark every time
4: all i know is that there is a man in my neighborhood who keeps blasting peter gabriel from his car loud enough for me to clearly hear it in my apartment every
2: two to three days oh my god peter gabriel is your neighbor (laughs) because you know peter gabriel he's like that that dude who i told that story about in, in, in this is a good tune of mine. You
1: know,
4: like playing
1: it to be, you're playing <laughs> be. your yeah. remember Salisbury Hill. Who good. sings this? <laughs> I sing
4: this. It's the same Peter Gabriel song, and he only plays it 30 to 40 seconds at a time, but it is the loudest car stereo that I've ever heard in my Which life. Song? And he just drives around the block. I don't know. I just know it's Peter Gabriel. Honestly, it's got that do the, tune. I've uh, p- been it. waiting for the star from now. Hold on. See, oh, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> Of course.
1: I think that's called hold on. I legitimately think he's just trying to get a girl back in your apartment building. And night no, he be. goes out there and he's doing the, what's his name? John God. Cusack. John Cusack. You know, she is playing. not listening. No. no. Nope. It doesn't work the same. It doesn't have the same <laughs> payload that it used to have in the 80s and the
2: 90s. Well, I have to ask, is Carolina looking out the window, sort of beginning to cry <laughs> as he drives by? Perhaps this is an ex-romantic partner of hers. Oh, no. I, I wish it, you know, I
1: belonged to him. <laughs> I wish he was my fiance. And you're Carolina, discordant.
2: stop talking to yourself. I'm trying to write in here.
4: <laughs> no, he's uh
2: two blocks over for some reason. Okay. But that's how loud it is. Oh very good. Very good. Well, well, I can't uh I can't judge on. him uh, I can't judge him too much. When I was in college, I had an REM tape automatic for the people stuck in my G- yellow Geo Metro tape uh, player. We know. Yeah. We know. We, yeah. this is- <laughs> well, I'm just saying all of my neighbors, I got called a... Hard f word quite mm. regularly, and then I would get out of my car. And unlike the Simpsons' interpretation of what big guys act like when they get out of a yellow Geo Metro, I wasn't nice. <laughs> no, I
1: anyway. imagine after you spend all day slinging Jimmy Johns, oh yeah, covered in schlitz, unfolding yourself I out of that drink Geo and Metro, drive. I would I would have my little one here. No. Okay, you would, have, have a- you would drink then drive.
2: That's no, not – No, not. I took my Jimmy John's delivery very seriously. We were fast. We were the quickest delivery in town. I was very good at it, and I got paid a lot of times in marijuana, and I would tell them, I need money for rent. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. We got a couple of fun little stories here. What's going on, buddy? I was saying you can't just give – your
1: landlord a pile of weed and just like be like like a Native American deal
2: here like let's go let's work something out let's barter you hate my body you love weed no no my landlord he particularly liked money so uh very cute Asian couple as a matter of fact Pete he was a very nice man um all right well as you know he really was sweet guy um as you know We will be going to the beautiful other side of the world, Mm -hmm. Australia. So the first story I want to talk about tonight or today or this morning, whenever you're listening to this. You're um, scaring your family, Kissel. (laughs) No, I can never scare Puffin. Puffin actually draws blood every time he bites me. Yep. Yep. Okay, so this is a funny little story. The headline is, Court Appeal Blow in $1.8 Million Fart Bullying Case as Man Vows to Take Fight to the High Court. A Melbourne engineer who claims a colleague repeatedly farted near him <laughs> and has vowed to go to the high court after losing his bullying case on appeal. David Hinkst, he's 56 years old, he saw $1.8 million bucks in his suit against his former employer construction engineering he wanted
1: Uh, 1.8 million bucks for farts
2: well, this dude, his ex-colleague, the man who was uh, supposedly the farter, his name was Greg Short, and the engineer claims, this is David Hinks, he claims flatulence was a form of bullying, and Mr. Short, <laughs> and then he goes on to say, and Mr. Shapo- and Mister Short was a serial farter.
4: Yeah, if you're getting crop dusted every five minutes, th- I would say that's a form of bullying. I don't know if it's worth 1.8 million, no. but I think he's got a point. You move at it?
2: 60 bucks. Okay, I'm
1: just going to say this. he owes you a lunch a week. If he's okay. going to fart in your, in your cubicle, because you honestly, you can move. Number one, you can move. Or number two, you know what you can do? You kick him in the nuts. Be like, you get c- away from me, you fucking, you fucking, you dirty boy. You're being You're dirty serial in farter. office.
2: Okay, I, I just, this is my thing. And I don't know if this is going to be uh, controversial. This is construction workers. Now, this isn't a cubicle. This isn't what McDonald's. Is. This isn't a restaurant. These this are construction uh, workers? These are construction So I'm just going to say, and I don't know if this is controversial, but it's... It, construction workers fart yeah because they are they're bending <laughs> over they're working hard you tend to be in an outdoor space they eat a lot of if, heavy foods they have lunch. to because they got to build heavy buildings
4: well this isn't just on the site you know further uh further reading of the story says this guy that's got the suit uh, he worked in a small windowless office because you have office workers when it comes okay, to construction okay and this guy this boss would come in to his small windowless Office, fart behind him and walk away, yeah. and he'd do it five or six times a day. Yes, got- the, all right, here we go. This is a breakdown from
1: David Hanks, who is pictured leaving the Australian courthouse, covering his face in shame. He is leaving. He's literally going like this, covering his face so no one can see it. I'm sorry, I'm acting it out. You can't see it. It's a podcast. Hanks sued the firm for bullying in 2017, accusing supervisor Greg Short, whom Hanks referred to as Mr. Stinky. <laughs> of being a serial farter who regularly thrusted his bum at him. And this is a quote from Hengst. Now, I will be sitting with my face to the wall, and he would come in the room, which was small and had no windows, and he'd fart behind me, and he'd walk away. He would do this five or six times... And die which led the engineer to spray deodorant at his boss the recurrent gas passing hanks claim was a part of a conspiracy to end his employment and cause him quote-unquote severe stress
4: yeah, and okay. he, okay. he also he brought a buddy in. Okay, <laughs> but hold
1: marginalized by my, my fellow employees. Yes, because t- had received is... b-
2: bullying phone calls. What we have here, it's like out of Serial Mom or something, <laughs> but what we have here is a company culture, mm. and this company culture was a fart culture. For example, they used to do a thing called fart-offs. This is in the article. Uh, So Mr. Short, he brought in another employee named Phil Hamilton, and they would do a thing. This is according... Mr. Hink said this. He said, the two would actually do a fart off. You would come over to him and drop your guts, and then when he went over to you, and and then he would go over to you and drop his guts, um, which is, I guess, how Australians say fart. So it was... I mean, I don't know. It just seems like when you... When you're applying for the job, you just have to be like, this is a fart job. This is a fart zone. Company culture, we fart here. I mean, we run a podcast <laughs> network. It would be like if someone got offended for us for talking too loud or something, he's like, well, this is a podcast network. No, we talk.
4: No, I, the, but they were, I think they specifically used the farts as a way to drive this man out of business. If it's a
2: you part got, of the culture, How are you though? two
4: on the side of the farters? <laughs> just you you evil fucks.
2: <laughs> no, no. no I, I, know, I am channeling my little, like, Jeremy Piven from PC. Yeah. see you
0: like but no honestly uh, hey it's funny. Listen,
2: also
1: it, in some ways not that he's asking for it he's but not. he's sitting alone in that office <laughs> you know constantly complaining about the farts when you arrived i'm certain again i'm with gissel on that interview day there was probably at least one guy walked out of the room and went hey guys they went and everyone was just like, hey, you're fucking it's a good one. I should do everybody all fucking high fiving each other. And Hinks is like, Oh, I hope it's not like that every day. And they're like, Nah, just on Wednesdays. And he has to like <laughs> incorporate himself in there. You I mean you gotta catch up with the group.
2: <laughs> well anyway, um, the judge's patience and forbearance and forbearance are evident in this case. So the judge took a lot of time in uh, in saying that this is not going to work out for this dude. His 1.8 million dollar claim included compensation for injuries and for lost earnings, having previously earned a salary of a hundred thousand dollars for his design. And engineering work. So this Whoa. guy was he was the brains of the operation, and the beef of the operation <laughs> was just like the big old boys who just came in and farted. Well, honestly, he's probably trying to do some quite difficult calculations to make sure buildings don't fall down.
4: Yeah, design and engineering. He was no what this is is that this is the jocks coming in and farting all over the fucking nerd. Honestly, yeah, sometimes that's jocks what it are is, funny. You but sometimes jocks
2: are funny.
1: Sometimes it's mm. so hard. Am I are we our is our response really supposed to be like? I stand with the victim. I <laughs> want to make sure that his rights are heard. His story is heard. It's I do understand. It's
2: <laughs> it is I I, get I am I am just dying. This just you makes know me fucking I don't want to. It's just, we're all animals. Yeah, and there's an animal kingdom, uh-huh. and so you just there must have. Been, are you arguing dominance? No, I'm not. I'm just saying. There. Must what is a
1: more intense? show of dominance and a and a posture of dominance going into your tiny windowless office and farting in it and leaving
2: <laughs> it really is it's it is the pinnacle of a male dominance in a construction workplace. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Anyway well uh, at least they're not because you know what would be or true show of dominance? Pinning them down and sticking things up his as ass. Like if that's, they really, really want to do
2: it. Like that's what happened to me and it's not good, Henry. Mm-hmm, that's what I'm my saying. God. Well, I got farted on all the time. You got farted on all the time. Yeah. So this Wait, is personal. This is personal. Yeah, I didn't. Re- I was wondering why Marcus was ha- coming at us so hard. Yeah, here. so it's explain not so your much story. fun
4: to get farted on yeah. all the time. What's what your story?
2: You- My yeah. brothers they used to hold me down and fart on me constantly. Well, that's what brothers do.
4: And also, the kids at school would fart all the time as well. <laughs> There's all kinds of farting everywhere. Everyone's just going around it's like, oh, Marcus just loves fart magnet, isn't he? Oh, Marcus just loves to get farted on, doesn't he? It's not fun. Honestly, <laughs> um, like I'm crying. I'm sorry. No, that's I'm really, sorry that's, you were abused. I'm sorry
2: that you were know. the kid that got farted on all the time. We all knew the kid that got farted on all the time. I just didn't know I was best friends with him.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The figure. little one always gets farted on. Uh, <laughs> I was a very small child. Okay, Look well... how mentally strong... You've yeah. become. You're mm-hmm. doing great. Yeah, you're that doing... is true. That
3: the is pack true. <laughs> the pack educates.
1: The pack can educate. It can motivate. Because look, you, you're a small business
2: owner. But we're yeah, only am. like powered ele- by fucking fart spite. <laughs> but weren't there only like eleven kids in your class? Yeah, and they would um, all just fart on you. Well,
4: there was like a whole, but not all of them would fart on me. But you know, all- the entire elementary school, you know each <laughs> other. You know every
2: kid. There's like fifty kids in the whole elementary school. So Maybe what, 70. What they, do, they would just walk by and crap dust. Yet? Yeah, just farts. It's just farts. All and right. Th- is it does it have anything to do with you being Marcus Farts?
4: Uh well, that was definitely a nickname. Oh <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah, yeah, Marcus
4: ever- Farts.
1: <laughs> See, uh-huh. this is before we learned at the time because the way you incorporate it, it's like why when people used to make fun of my weight and then I just incorporated it into my quote-unquote act with kids, mm-hmm. and then you just you make, you, oh, look, I'm fat, and oh, then they, yeah. they laugh with you, and then that's how you fix it, where Kinda. if you were like, next one, do it in my mouth, and go like, <laughs> like oh, they would stop it. farting on you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, my actually my older brother, I'm not sure if he would want me saying this, but it's fine. Uh, his name is actually Bartholomew. His name is actually Bartholomew. <laughs> and so, of course, it was Bart for short. Uh-huh. And he went by Bart the Fart. Yeah. And it traumatized him. Or he didn't go by Bart the Fart. Yeah. They called him Bart the Fart. And it traumatized him so much he switched to his middle name, Eric. Huh. And he's been Eric ever since I was nine years old. Huh. So I understand. Bart is I- a hard name. Yeah, I know it's biblical. My parents did not think it out at all. It's, no. yeah, Bartholomew, Christopher and Benjamin, all tribes of Israel, I think. I, oh yeah. I can't keep up. Oh
4: yeah, no. no. Mu- Marcus can be hard too. You got mucus. That's that's just right off the fucking top.
2: Mucus farts? Yeah, mucus farts. Oh, you farts, got it yeah. hard, buddy. I, it's all the the picture is being painted. Yeah. Of course, I was a huge giant and uh, so that did not help whatsoever. Help, yeah. I'm also overweight, so. How about just being chased I, I I was just chased down the street and called Free Willy.
1: I didn't have a funny name. There was no funny name. I was just chased down the street. I was just literally just beaten up and called Fat Kid. And hey, you're fat.
2: At least yeah. you still had those sweet abs and that butt and those yeah. arms of yours, the drummer body that you got. At least you got a good body. Now, not back then. See, back then I was five inch, five
4: to six inches shorter, but still had the same size hands and feet that I have now, which are already too big for the body that I have. But you put it on, you put those on someone that's uh, like five, five, five,
2: four. Woo! Literally it's you're just, the Loveland frogman. That is, just isn't that so the exact,
1: exact dimensions? Farts? <laughs> Soaked yeah, Soaking parts.
2: Yeah. Wow. Um, all I'm right. really well, sorry.
1: I didn't know that we stepped on a psychological minefield here.
2: No, I didn't know that either. Now I'm thinking about all the times I was bullied and i mean, if you're bullied out there, hang in there. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Hang in
2: there. And if no. you are bullying people, Unless it's really, really funny, no, <laughs> no but just be trying to be nice. So a, be, nice. Are, be nice. Kids are mean. Nice. kids are mean. Kids are mean. that's what they do.
1: My dad's advice was real. He's like, sometimes with the bully, you got to punch him in the mouth. They are really like you have to fight the bullies. If you're mm-hmm. being bullied, you have to you have to come at the bully. You have to well, make it me, prison for, for them. For me, it
2: was like Guller versus Travel. So there's like forty of them. Mm, yeah, that's, it. Was the little ones? it was horrible. Hey. So little spears like Ugh, all horrifying. sticking into your legs still traumatized forever but you um, know what we're making up for it now
4: yeah I just learned the, uh, the skill of psychologically traumatizing insults see hey, yeah yeah, yeah. and then
2: they just went away eventually yeah that'll That'll plug those butts right up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I all guess right. I'll
1: save these farts for home then.
2: <laughs> oh, um, I'll never <laughs> fart again. Yeah. But you know, there was someone who really had a bad home life, and the only thing that gave them joy was farting on you. Yeah, Think about I that. Who also gave. I them was joy. well
4: aware. I knew. I knew <laughs> that. I, I, all... I figured out the psychology behind it pretty young age. At least they were my all father of... doesn't beat me. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Never went that far. No, that's good. That's good. I think it's because all of our fathers beat us. <laughs> so we didn't really have that leg up.
0: Rise right from your grave.
2: Right from your grave. But Henry, you were saying that um, on our Schumacher episode with Joseph Callinger. Shoemaker. Schumacher someone totally different. Yes. No, I know. I was just trying to say it in a fun accent. <laughs> Let me take
1: Shoemaker. it. Shoemaker. Joe Callinger was a very interesting man, and we covered him for two weeks, and it was uh, harrowing for many, entertaining for us. I am not scared by <laughs> Joseph Callinger anymore unless – but the thing is now Ugh. it's walking around. And always oh, the – constant same thing with the reason why Mark David Chapman haunted – Marcus mm. and I, so specifically, because these guys are just walking around and they look mm-hmm. normal, but they are having full on vivid hallucinations mm. of your murder while you're walking down the street. I'm not trying to make you right. paranoid, but sometimes it's healthy to be paranoid. Uh, but what, I didn't, what we forgot to include in the last episode, we didn't forget. It was just we didn't, we didn't pile it into the information, is that Joseph Callinger left a series of poems, a four floor Schreiber. Uh, that I would love to read in the voice of Joseph Callinger so you could see more of his interior dialogue. Now, what I've had a lot of people ask me the question this week of why does Joseph Callinger sound like Bernie Sanders? Right. And the answer is I do not know. <laughs> okay. When it comes to building a voice, I don't know if it's interesting to talk about the quote-unquote process of the work. Uh, but when it comes to making a voice sometimes for me, it was when the, I saw the picture. I didn't see the early picture of Joe Callinger's. I didn't see the younger ones. I only saw the ones when he was post-jail when he had the big beard. And the first thing that came to my mind, which is how I sometimes do this, is like he looks like if Bernie Sanders was an offensive lineman. And I wanted to, so I just went that way before. And so that's just what you do. And then it slowly turned into Tony Clifton because the accent slides because I'm not Daryl fucking Hammond.
2: <laughs> all right, there it is. Inside the Podcaster's Workshop. Mm-hmm. Very but there's certain ones
1: because, like L.R.H., I try to do an impression of L.R.H. because there's so much of his voice that is recorded, so you can hear it. You know, like Charles right. Manson. It's funny to just make him sound like a desert spider. Like you make him sound all crazy. And then there are certain ones that there's no, you know, like. And then Pansram spo- spoke for itself, right? Because yeah. he's just fucking a big jacked, horny,
3: powerful man.
2: Yep, yep, absolutely. So American a little, legend. Uh kind of, yeah. And Infamous. boy rapist. Yeah. yeah more more that. Right.
1: <laughs> Played by <laughs> James Woods in a movie. That yeah. Honestly,
2: James Woods before I, James Wood's Twitter is it's phenomenal. But, I um, would
4: say it's phenomenal. I would say it's awful.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really fucking awful. terrible. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the reasons I don't go on Twitter. Yeah, because all it's old people that ruined it once again. Baby boomers. Baby boomers. As a matter of fact, baby boomers ruined. They managed to ruin Twitter. Everything. Of course, they managed to ruin Look everything they touch. I know yep. we have some baby boomer listeners out there. You're of course, one of the good ones. Yeah, you're, <laughs> one, you're one of the good ones. One of the Just good ones. Don't ruin podcasts, please. Um, so that's anyways. our job. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So you got some poems from Callenger here that you want to that you want to read. And I just have to ask, what do we got as, as far as poetry? We got BTK, who was a poet. BTK yes. was
4: a poet. Uh, David Berkowitz, Berkowitz was a poet. Now, my uh, question,
1: this is actually for Marcus, and I don't really know, because this is the time period where it seemed like They encouraged them to write poetry, to express
4: themselves. Well, I know that uh, Dennis Rader always wrote poetry. Uh, He wrote poetry uh, for the first time when he first uh, got a hold of the police. uh, When what was uh, uh, Shirley Locks, I think, was the name of his first poem that he worked on for weeks and weeks and weeks (laughs) before he sent it in. Uh, And then when he finally (laughs) did send it in to the Wichita Eagle, uh, they just threw it in the crank pile uh, because. he, they thought that it was a, uh, a Valentine, because it was right around Valentine's Day, yeah. and he didn't uh, include any money to put it in the classifieds. So, they were like, this guy's fucking nuts. Just put it in the crank pile. Who gives a shit? Uh, but I think it's just it's an easy way to express yourself. Uh, it doesn't take much talent to write poetry. Uh, it takes an enormous amount of talent to do poetry well. Yes. Uh, right. and when you do. Poetry, well, like it's, you know, it's absolutely, it's it's astonishingly beautiful when poetry is done well. But, but any old asshole can just write a couple of lines and call sure. it poetry. Yeah. Sometimes
1: it becomes very like outsider-arty, right? Where you yeah. can be so crazy you write incredible poetry because just you're kind of the way your mind works as a word jumble. You're creating these crazy pictures or, or evoking <laughs> certain emotions yeah. in a very specific way. But it seems like this is also the time period where a lot of the mental health uh, way they dealt with, especially with killers, is that it was them just like weaving baskets in a room. It's like <laughs> right. that shit all Thor out, like doing crafts. Right. A... So uh, this is a poem called The Unicorn in the Garden.
2: Ooh, <laughs> Joseph Callinger, The Unicorn in the Garden.
3: When I was a little boy, my adoptive parents, and and Stephen, killed the unicorn in my garden. The nightingale died too, and the lilacs and roses perished. I wanted to be an actor, playing with a unicorn in my garden. But they said, you will be a shoemaker, like a father. Dumb cough. And if you don't, you will be a bum. So I grew up in my adoptive father's shop, hearing the cutting of leather, smelling the odor of glow, my music, the whirring of machines, idiots, delight. exiled from the street, isolated from other children. I lived among shoes and knives and hammers, unknown, unworthened. Unloved, I learned to shape souls, replace heels, draw nails. My own soul was hidden from me by the shop's dead world. A robot to their will, I died with the unicorn in my garden.
2: Honestly, that's not I don't bad. Think, no, it's actually kind of good. <laughs> like, it's kind of strangely moving. It is.
4: No, that that's not bad at all. Really, I mean. I, that's as far as serial killer poetry goes. I mean, it's definitely better than David Berkowitz's poem about the F train.
2: It oh, is. Oh
1: yeah, that's very true. Yeah. But is it less geographically But is it less geographically correct?
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, one thing we didn't mention in the uh, episode was Joseph Callinger's uh, obsession with butterflies. Really. Yes. Yeah, yes. He had a, a deep fascination with butterflies from uh, a small child. He imagined that he himself was a butterfly. That was one of his early delusions. Of course, I mean, there was a lot that we had to leave out of the episode. Otherwise, it would have been five fucking parts long. Right. Uh, but really, if you really want to get in, uh, like, I I recommend The Shoemaker. The Shoemaker is such a great true crime book, just so long as you just kind of gloss over all of Flora Schreiber's, uh, I would say, like, lazy uh, psychological well, just ancient. Been...
1: They're ancient psychological breakdowns.
2: Yeah, uh, and this is to... a poem he wrote. This is a poem he wrote about Charlie. Well, can I can I do one here just to contrast that? Um, because D- I Dennis Raider truly sucks at poetry. He's the worst. So this is a poem that we did read just to because con- honestly that the unicorn in the garden working. <sighs> he did one. Maybe he did want to be an actor. He did. I mean, obviously, did. again, Joseph Gallagher yeah, is a horrible, horrible. Nothing can. Uh, Explain away what he did. No, but, uh, but yeah, th- th- but this is Dennis Rader. Oh, death! You answer. did this.
4: You did this in the live show.
2: I know. <laughs> what is this that I can see? Cold, icy hands taking hold of me. For death has come. You all can see. Hell has opened its gate to trick me. <laughs> oh, death. Oh, death, can't you spare me for another year? I'll stuff your jaws till you can't talk. I'll bind your legs till you can't walk. I'll tie your hands till you can't make a stand. And finally, I'll close your eyes so you can't see. I'll bring sexual death onto you. For me. That is so much worse it's awful. than Callenger.
4: Oh yeah. And that was a rip it was a rip-off of uh the old folk song O Death. And the reason why uh Rader wrote it is because he after uh the Otero murders, his first uh murder spree, in which he killed four people in one afternoon, Ugh. uh he started taking classes in criminal justice at Wichita State That's University right. yeah. uh, so he could essentially become a better serial killer. So mm. he could learn the craft. I fucking hate it. Yeah, he's the worst because he, he chose to be a serial killer. More than anyone else, he chose to be a serial killer. Crazy. Uh, and he um, essentially took, started taking literature classes. He read o Death in one of his classes and decided, yep, yeah, that's, that's the one I'm going to do. That's the one that I'm going to copy. It's Great so...
1: Weird Al cover. Really good stuff. <laughs> <It's>
2: so bad. <laughs> so, All right.
3: I'll read this one last poem about Charlie. He's after me, writhing air currents like an angry balloon. Floating, his long hair is puttered in front, curled back at the sides. His mean brown eyes stare at me, pin me to the wall where I wriggle. I cannot (laughs) free myself from Charlie. He has no body, and below his eyes, his faceless face, is just a tight tissue of skin wrapped around jawbones, rounding in a fleshy chin. That's just a face. I cannot free myself from Charlie. Bodyless writer... He rides thunderbolts in hell with the devil sings doom songs. Through his mouthless face then comes to me with bloody instructions. His favorite word is kill. But Charlie is real, like you and me. And someday I'm going to waste him. Someday I'm going to kill him. Someday I'm going to puncture him with a knife. He'll shrivel like an airless balloon. But maybe Charlie's going to kill me first. At night, I lie with one eye open. I cannot free myself from Charlie.
2: Scary. Once, yeah,
4: once again, very good. And Gee. in a
2: totally different style. It's like a horror poem. And that's the dismembered head that would compel him to kill that he just wrote a poem about? Uh-huh. Well,
4: Whoa. no, I wouldn't say that Charlie necessarily compelled him to kill. Like he delivered instructions sometimes, but mostly he was there for encouragement. He wasn't oh, telling my him to God. stop.
2: That's no, her, that's no. her damn shit. No. no, no, no.
4: Yeah. I, when Callenger committed his third murder, yeah, Charlie was screaming for him to stab her again, stab her again, stab her again. Uh, but mostly Charlie was kind, I would say Charlie was more there to uh, assist the delusions uh that uh, Callenger believed were coming from
2: uh, God. Well, you know, sometimes I mean, artists like an archangel. Like an archangel. Artists is Artists' minds, you know, it can go either way. To be a a true creative, you kind of got to be a little wackadoodle. And I think BTK proves that, as Marcus just said, he was not crazy. No. He was doing all of this on purpose. Callinger, just by the quality of his poems, I think he might have been. Well, I know. He was absolutely nuts. Yeah, he was. Well, Dennis Rader was just such a loser.
1: Yeah. And he, he did all of this. He, he make, constructed his whole identity.
3: Nothing mm-hmm. was on
2: accident because there was no, no real him. Right, right. Uh, and the puns. Yeah. The puns. Oh, my yeah. God. Fly from your grave. Live right from your grave. All right. So, Marcus, you wanted to talk about something on this episode. Yeah. Okay. And obviously, I know exactly what it is. In no way did I forget what you wanted to talk about. <laughs> this is a perfect <laughs> a perfect tease and setup.
4: Well, I was trolling through some of the conspiracy message boards this week. Good work. And I, uh, thank you very much. Well, And I came upon a post from 2015. Okay. A good old fashioned Illuminati update. Ooh, yeah.
3: right.
4: <laughs> Illuminati update. and this is what conspiracy used to be like 2015 was kind of when it uh, 2015 was around the time the conspiracy uh the conspiracy bowl kind of tipped over into the mainstream Yes. uh this is back when this is back when uh conspiracy was truly
2: fucking nuts and Mm -hmm. truly fun this is before people like took it literally and yeah. seriously when Alex Jones was, just asking questions, I'm just asking uh, yes. questions here well, I, I before gotta, people like okay, you're going to well, get the it? Well, the Illuminati update
4: has a little bit to say about Alex Jones. Alright, alright. Well, the Illuminati update, it was originally posted on anonymous mags uh, which no longer exists. Oh, it is now a clickbait site. Uh, but it was written by a guy who had gotten out of the Illuminati after 47 years in service, Whoa. and he was able to leave through the departure ritual okay the departure ritual is i eventually found out after a little bit of digging is that when you tell the illuminati i want to leave what they do is they bring you in front of the council they bring your entire family in Uh Mm
2: -hmm. and then they
4: murder them in front of you got (laughs) to really (laughs) and then after that they do mind experiments on you for about a year and then they throw you in a hole underneath Denver, Colorado.
2: I'll just stay, like guys. I honestly, I didn't even realize what would be what it would what would be entailed in, in me trying to leave. I like the Illuminati, okay. I like my family. This is fine. Mm-hmm.
1: But they do The idea is that this is also where the conspiracy theories come about the Denver airport, right? Which is essentially they are constantly under construction uh. because they are constantly hiding the bodies of uh, Illuminati defectors, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, whoever designed the Denver. airport. Airport definitely was like. With any luck, people will think this is for and made by the Illuminati. Oh yeah, they have the horse, the Denver Bronco that is outside of that stadium at night. The eyes light red. Yeah, it's great. It, it makes you feel like you're going into Mordor or something. <laughs> it's cool shit. But this
4: guy said that he was recruited into the Ill- Illuminati when he was 19 years old. After he had gotten approached by a couple of men in black suits when he was a student at Harvard. Ooh, why did court- we
3: get this shit? Why did nobody come to, to, to try to
2: scoop us up? You serious? They want to get tall goof. They want fart boy and, and free willy? We're yeah, not dude. in the mix. That's no, a, that's
1: don't. the fucking. We're the best B team in the world. We're the Expendables.
4: <laughs> oh, you think the Illuminati was monitoring the Florida State University theater program? I mean, th- we they want they were... the fat
2: one. In, we want the fat one in the dashiki. Bring him to us. Dude, oh dude, yeah. We need for... a new.
1: We need a new man for the Wawanda movement. Like for me to go to Africa. <laughs>
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And with me, they were definitely keeping an eye on the Texas Tech University English Department. Yeah, Because if there's one thing Texas Tech is known for, it's
2: English. Yeah, exactly. What's the one that's super tall and just drunk enough to fall over but never does?
4: (laughs) Well, this guy escaped from Denver Airport through a series of underground tunnels that uh, were shown to him by a fellow defector because the fellow defector, his great-grandfather, had built those tunnels.
2: Cool. This is great.
4: This is a great movie. Yeah, it's an amazing movie. It's great. So what this guy has done, him and the seven others, all escaped. They all got new identities, and this man, who escaped in June of 2010, he is risking his life (gasps) To tell us the secrets of the Illuminati.
1: Yes, and this is just on web forums.
4: Yeah, this is just on web forums. Cool. Yeah. Good. It's bit, good, yeah, good, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. it wasn't uh, published anywhere. Else.
1: Was this one of those ones that was like leaked on like on a B chain?
4: Like back it was day- not beat. No, no, no. It wasn't, it wasn't back, uh, back in the old days oh. of uh, 4chan and all that. Now, this was on anonymous mags. Okay. Yeah. Well, this guy says that there are 57 underground bases and bunkers around the United States that are used for Illuminati purposes. But there are 439 bunkers all over the entire world with the largest one existing in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Oh. Yeah. Holds. Yep. So far, yes. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've seen all of it. I've seen the reading, yes. And that bunker is able to hold up to 5,000 people for a period of up to 10 years. Because, of course, when World War III comes, all of the world's leaders got to have somewhere to go. Got to. Mm got to. And all the world's richest people are going to be there as well. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, oil tycoons, they're all going to be living in this bunker with their families. They
1: deserve that and their tax breaks for how well they've done for the U.S. economy.
2: Oh yeah, thank you. (laughs) Just imagine the farts in that, Buffett, (laughs) Gates. Yeah, because uh, Buffett
1: constantly brags about how the only food he eats is egg McMuffins from, from McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, God, what are you? What do your khakis smell like at the end of the
4: month? Fake egg shits Ugh. oh, but one thing about the oil tycoons is that they will be murdered in the bunker so they that, will yeah so that that the takeover of the Middle East will be much easier for the new world order.
2: Hey. oh well, then they better not go yeah they- <laughs> but do they, I guess they don't know that they don't know that this no. guy knows
4: that, but they don't know that it's oh. like one of those it's the uh it is uh
1: the what's the term like in the mob when they do the thing where it's like you think you're about to go get made? Like they're right. like, like, hey, no, we gotta meet Joe out here. It's like, uh, by the docks, yeah. I mean, like, why are we going to the docks? I thought like all the maid guys go to the eighty-eight club, and it's like,
2: nah, this is a, uh, it's special. Ah,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> oh, shit, I killed him now.
2: Yeah, that would be. I don't think that's good. I think it's better if you don't trick them like that. Yeah, (laughs) I see. I would be just like, honestly, if you're gonna kill me, don't make me think that I was gonna get made. I was so excited. Yeah, and now I'm gonna die. It looks so disappointed.
4: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you get shot in the back of the head, you at least die with a smile on your face. (laughs) Go either way. Oh, by the way, these bunkers. This guy that wrote the article, he was in one of these bunkers in China in the nineties. And he said it's pretty much like staying at a five-star hotel.
2: Really? Very luxurious. Oh, Oh, so why would he even escape?
4: Well, no. This was was before he decided to leave the Illuminati. This is in the Illuminati. Yeah, this is when he was in the Illuminati. Because remember, he was in the Illuminati for 47 years. Okay. Well, you want to hear some of the other people that have Mm. stayed in these bunkers over the years? These five-stars? These five-star bunkers? Yes. Leon Trotsky stayed in a bunker for a while. Of
2: course he did. Did he die?
4: When did he die? Oh, oh, these puckers have been around for a while. Must have
2: wow. been. Wow. Yeah, when, <laughs> when the hell did he die? That was a long-ass time ago.
4: Uh, 30s, 40s? Yeah, must have been, yeah, right? Yeah, something like the, that, yeah. I mean, got, he, Didn't he get uh, stabbed with an ice pick in Mexico? Yeah, Mexico. I'll, I'll throw, yeah, 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 yeah. He well, died after, in 1940. Yeah, 40, 40. Now, after Stalin defeated Trotsky and secured power in the Soviet Union after Lenin's death... Trotsky was moved to an underground bunker just inside Switzerland, and Stalin didn't know this because if he did not follow the orders of the Illuminati, then Trotsky was going to be reinstated as the leader of the Soviet Union, and it was important to have Trotsky placed in this bunker because Stalin was going to kill him otherwise. Now, Stalin eventually fell in line with the Illuminati's plans, and Trotsky was executed because he was no longer needed. Okay, he was a, he was at he was insurance in can case you, Stalin didn't fall in line. It's like all right, then we'll kill Stalin put Trotsky back in his place. But Stalin fell in line, and they just killed Trotsky. Can Whoa. you imagine how
2: annoying that would be, though, just to be stuck with Trotsky in a five star hotel? He's like, trying to like <laughs> uh, unionize everything, and just like I uh, just be, was it
4: like the second act of uh, what is it that Frida Kahlo movie? I didn't uh, see it. Just about that. Yeah, it's How going to that like
1: Mexico hotel that they were all at, where they all, and it was yeah. just like everybody that you loved and that you could name from the nineteen thirties that was like a famous artist, just all hanging around drinking weird like cafe leches and yeah. uh, just uh, and just and and pontificating, and then slowly getting picked off one by one. I imagine right. hanging out with Trotsky all day would get pretty tiresome. Oh, <laughs> I, I
2: think so. The same thing about Neil Young. I think the same thing about Neil Young. I love Neil Young. Yeah. But I, ne- I never want to meet him. Just no. him. Never, because I just think.
1: You no. know, it's all no, about it's him yelling about his Sky Miles, yelling <laughs> about his fucking how he needs new shoes, about how he hates SoundCloud because they anybody not even yeah. music. It's just like each new thing. that Because you start off being like, man, it's so cool to be with you today, man. This is so cool. it's fun to hang out with Neil Young, man. And he's like, my feet hurt.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I do think that Neil Young would talk about the benefits of Velcro shoes mm-hmm. I and mean, like, and he would just be like, I was so dumb for so long. I was just using the ties. Look at the Velcro shoes. i be like, those are nice Velcro shoes. Mr. Young. You, you just make lean a good
1: over point. and you just slap them together. You don't have to take the minutes out of your day to tie them. And that Mr. reminds Mr. me of a song. Minutes yeah. of the day, tying uh, shoes.
0: <laughs> you got to oh, hear
1: all my new music today, buddy.
2: What, um, Mr. Young? What, what inspired the song "Old Man"? Do you have did was it? I know it's a great song about you taking over someone's farm because you had a lot of money and you kind of kicked them off of their <laughs> farm. But
1: it was they're... about ruining old people's lives. <laughs> and now that I am an old person, I see just existing does that. <laughs>
2: I'm going to go hang out with David Krause, okay?
4: (laughs) You know who else was uh, in a bunker for a while? Let me guess. Politician?
2: Celebrity? Politician. Politician? Mm -hmm. What era? Uh, We're going to say way back. Way back? Uh Taft. (sighs) Nope. President? George
4: Washington. Nope. Not too far back. An American president? American president. Abraham Uh, Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln.
2: Abraham Lincoln? I was
4: going to say that as a joke. Yeah. Well, actually, Henry, you already read it. No, I didn't. No. okay, good.
2: (laughs) Abraham Lincoln? No, I don't think Honest Abe would be a part of the Illuminati.
4: Lincoln was not murdered by John Wilkes Booth. He was placed (laughs) in the office of of the presidency as a palm, because the Illuminati knew that if he was put in the presidency, then the South would secede, because the Civil War made the Illuminati very, very rich, and that was the only Mm. reason why the Civil War was allowed to happen. If the Illuminati had not seen the opportunity to become rich off of the war, then slavery would still be an American institution, or so this man says. And so Lincoln was put into office to start the war, and he made the deal that once the war was over, he would be removed from office. That's why Lincoln was out of there as soon as the war was done. But why didn't... They did the fake assassination, and Abraham Lincoln was sent to live in a bunker in Mexico. So it was a fake assassination. Fake assassination. (laughs) False flag. It was a
1: false flag. flag. Well, I don't know if that's technically a false flag. I guess a false flag is an actual action done.
4: It was just faked.
1: Which is, it just seems like a lot of work. it could be.
4: It could be a false flag, but of because course, the uh, the murdering of Abraham Lincoln definitely led to uh, the uh, punitive measures that were in, placed on the South during uh, Reconstruction, which, of course, benefited the Illuminati. And obviously none of this see is real. See how easy it is? I don't
2: understand how easy it is. None of this is real. But also, <laughs> John Willis <laughs> Booth, who would you get to work on something that is false? An actor. He
4: was an actor. He was the first crisis actor. Do you people see how easy it is? Wow. But it started... Ele- With actually
1: having Shakespearean training. See, that's how I think that's (laughs) one of these, these crisis actors are, don't have the same training as they used to. And it's a part Mm. of the falling down of conspiracy culture is that if we took the time to put these crisis actors into, I mean, conservatories, something where they can really play different characters, where they, you could put a beard on him and he could look something different. They could really blend in, make him a lady. Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. I don't know why you would make, put a beard on him and then make him a lady. Uh, that <laughs> How good a of an voice. actor can
1: you be? Can you yeah. act away <laughs> around your own beard and show off the tits using your words?
2: Honestly, yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. We talked about this on Abe Lincoln's Stop At this week. Alex Jones has recanted all of his false flag stuff yeah. and all of oh, his crisis yeah? actor stuff. Yeah, he said he oh, was yeah? in a psychosis. Yeah, yeah. He really did. He said yeah. he was in a psychosis for three years. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Because he
4: said he was traumatized by the media.
2: Yeah, because he was traumatized <laughs> by the media. And, um, so anyway, so all those people that he convinced that he that was, that were convinced he was telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, once again, folks, do not believe Alex Jones. But uh, well,
1: he immediately shamed. Back. He went right back on to because then he had Joe Rogan on InfoWars and he does this whole like he goes to court and says, I have oh it's just like I'm crazy, I'm crazy but then he goes right back on Infowars, he's like, So crazy I'm sane and then he just says the same <laughs> shit again and again.
4: Oh, well, well, he's a monster. This man right here that wrote the article, he's got a little bit to say about Alex Jones. Okay. He said, Alex Jones is not who he says he is. <laughs> For years, Jones has been working to uncover the secrets of the Illuminati and the New World Order, right? Sure. But in reality, <sighs> he is a member of the former and will be in power in the latter. Of course.
1: What? Yeah, no, that makes no sense. in the world.
4: Yeah, and he's been placed there to feed false information to throw trackers off the trail. Do not believe anything that the... The man tells you. That's what
2: this Illuminati member says. There is nothing more fun than conspiracy theorists arguing with other conspiracy theorists. Bill Cooper and Alex Jones actually had one of the best feuds in radio history. And they're both crazy. Although Bill Cooper, I will say this, not as nefarious as Alex Jones. I think Bill Cooper... Good intentions. He did. And obviously... You you get what you want in life, and I think he wanted to be shot by the police. Yeah, he did, and man. Then, it's the ultimate he way to... Was.
1: That's the ultimate conspiracy theorist way to go out dude that's how that's what you want. He got it, and he made it for himself, and he got it, but they yeah. are all a fucking mess, but I actually believe that that that's like one of those where I love seeing the conspiracy theorist lens shift mm-hmm. to their own people. It always happens they always cannibalize themselves like a bunch of, of Democrats, and as soon as he see because it's now on him because it's true. You're the one who fucking are friends with the president. I never understand any of these conspiracy theories that are going on now saying that the president is a vulnerable, powerless, like he can't do anything and he's fighting for the truth. We're legitimately always the president is always on the opposite side of what is happening because they know enough. They are the information chief. of the. That's their whole thing is to spread their message and and unify the government. That's what they're supposed to do. There's nobody more inside than the fucking president.
2: That's the great irony about Trump because I don't know why presidents ever leave the White House. As a political nerd, I would be like, I'm just going to stay go in every room. And the thing is, Trump doesn't even take the meetings anymore. Usually a president wakes up around 7, 8 o'clock, you got your generals in there. He doesn't even do those. They give him a portfolio full of pictures. Yes. And that's his... He doesn't even have the... He doesn't have a thirst for knowledge, so... We have no president. We have no president. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
4: technically. Uh, No, but, you know, if you're a believer in QAnon, then that's because Trump is spending all of his time working with Robert Mueller uh, in conjunction with the military uh, to take down the uh, New World Order that is run by Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and uh, George Soros. Uh, Yeah, the QAnon stuff is getting particularly fucking nuts lately. Well,
1: Well, what's his name? A guy flashed the Q... Uh, I
2: forget which show. which yeah. I forget which shooting that he just I have did. This, I have this story here. So, are we good with the conspiracy theory? Oh,
4: I mean, there's plenty more to get you, through. Well, but, but, you can, but we could, I mean, this is. I mean, we're just generally talking about conspiracy theories. You know, where it
2: used to be, where it is now. So, um, and we can let's continue talking about conspiracy theories, and then let's talk. Just it kind of ties into this. A true crime story, this fella, he's a 24-year-old guy. His name is Anthony Camello. He uh, was a big believer in far-right conspiracy theories like QAnon. And, of course, he also had a bit of an OxyContin habit. Weird. Uh, ox- yeah, sometimes those <laughs> I go hand what in I wonder
1: which is the chicken and which is the egg in that scenario.
2: I don't know, but he shot this mob boss, this fella, Callie, who yeah, was dude, 53 years is, old. This used to be was just a straight-up
1: I thought it was just a straight up hit. No, I mean, Are you I. you
4: talking about the mob hit out in Staten Island? Yeah. yeah. Really? I he flashed I'd... the cue. As
1: soon as he got uh, in court, he drew a cue on his hand as a message to,
2: the, I guess, to, to 4chan or to his followers or some shit. Yeah, I really don't know, but he. Um... So he was born and raised in Staten Island, South Shore. He's accused of gunning down Gambino crime family leader Francisco Frankie Boy Cali. They always sound like boxers. Always. Francisco Frankie Boy Cali um, on a quiet street in Tot Hill last week. The shooting had rocketed Mr. Kamalo, an otherwise unsensational young man who was struggling to launch his adult life into true crime infamy. This dude, Cali, was shot ten times, and the police have not explained how Mr. Camello even crossed into Mr. Cali's orbit, let alone why he allegedly decided to kill him. Well, but what whatever I have the seen... motive, the Gambino crime family has uh, not been uh, forgiving, and it looks like this guy is going to, he's facing life, and he will be uh, looking at life in prison, and it looks like it's probably not going to be a very long life in prison because the Gambino crime family has some people on the inside. Yeah.
1: What I had read about was that he, the word is that it was a very domestic shooting is that it was a dude he the guy that shot him was trying to date his daughter and he said no and that Mm. this guy just flipped out essentially he put the clamp down saying you can't date my daughter and this is this is over and then he just you just cut right through like a hot knife through butter where it's like if you're not a made man and you're not some kind of like goon for the mafia you're not on any of their lists so he just showed up and he was outside the house. He walked out
4: of the house and he shot him 10 times. And so he is writing Q on his hand in court
2: now? He's big into QAnon. He's big into all these far-right conspiracies. So a lot of people were like, does that tie into the killing? But I, maybe it doesn't at all. Was this, so it was just a Romeo and Juliet type situation, huh? But he used the opportunity to show off for Q
4: to show like, off for Q. Okay, because yes. I was afraid it was going to be one of those things where he had some sort of delusion where this guy was a mob boss and the mob boss is related to uh, the uh, entire, what, what is it, the New World Order that was uh, well, you know doing all the pedophile rings and all that stupid shit. Like it, it's, the pedophile man, rings it is, in the
2: pizza joint. And they don't crazy. even let you have dogs in pizza places. <laughs> oh, but sure, a pedophile ring is fine. Yeah. Um, now, and
4: now the last QAnon update that I read was that they actually have already executed executed Hillary Clinton? Oh, she's gone uh, Yeah, now? that she's executed, and Barack Obama is being held on an island somewhere. Uh, yeah, QAnon is, I mean, it is getting bigger and bigger <sighs> and bigger, and it is getting more and more and more followers. Like, I watched a, a video a couple days ago where there was a guy with a video camera at a Trump rally, and he had written, make noise for QAnon on just was a sign. Was it the black
2: dude? Huh? Was it the famous black dude? I don't know if okay. it was a...
4: No, no, no. It was just a guy was had written, just... make noise for Q on a sign at Trump rally, and he went... It's a 20-minute long video of him going down the line and just everybody's like, Q, yeah, fuck yeah, Q. People are fucking into it. They are excited to yell.
2: Yeah, they are. I'm not going to say that we should ever do this. There's a lot of racial reasons why and there's a lot of of systemic uh, issues in this country. But a poll test when it comes to voting and the, the only question is, do you believe in Q? If the answer is yes... Uh, I understand we have a constitution, but it's just, th- their vote matters too, you know, and that's we say kind of scary. We say follow-up questions. Follow-up after, questions. <laughs> after that. Um, so this dude that, that killed the Gambino crime family member, uh, he made rambling statements, and evidently, this is according to John Miller, the chief of the New York Police Department's Intelligence Division, he said he wanted to make a citizen's arrest of Maxine Waters, Congressman Schiff, he blamed Nancy Pelosi and all kinds of other people for stealing the Election, which I'm assuming is the midterm election, the motivation for Mr. Camello's February stunt became clearer Monday when he was arraigned in a New Jersey court. As he entered the courtroom, he raised open a palm where he had Q scrawled on it. So, um, kind of got you can look at it here. It's a, not nearly as neat as Richard Ramirez's pentagram. <laughs> no,
4: <laughs> and it looks He's like Quite looks like there's quite a few other doodles uh, yeah. on that hand as well that aren't that aren't quite so uh, that aren't quite so clear. But I mean, but that's that's the weird thing. I I know we've gotten a a couple of comments here and there from people you know, saying that we're we're talking about politics on on this show. But the thing is is that we've been talking about conspiracy for 10 years now. It just so happens that conspiracy is now a part, such a a gigantic part of American politics.
2: Um, But on his hand, we say it says United We Stand, MAGA forever and MAGA forever. Good for him. I
1: guess that's good, <laughs> but it, it, that part of it is—it's it, weird. It's weird that it's become a part of the mainstream. It's so mainstream that we can't even talk about it anymore because we're supposed to be talking about fringe topics. And you talk about QAnon, and they take right, it right. so deadly seriously that it's hard to to broach it because it's the—it's we're now in the world of. It's becoming a real conspiracy because of how many people are talking about it. We're generating the reality of it every single time right. it's brought up. Every single time he flashes the cue, every time he does the stuff, it basically it makes it realer and realer and realer, but it's really just more deeply connecting a group of people that are, are ju- they are just ruining their own lives trying yeah. to Ugh. trying to chase the sense of what's happening right now. So trying to like fig- piece it all together. You really think Barack Obama's got time to fucking uh, to run the deep state? He's got movies to produce. He's
2: a <laughs> producer, and we know what. What do we know about producers? All they do is work, work, so work. So busy.
1: He certainly and doesn't we- just put an Obama stamp on a bunch of shit and then leave. <laughs> but I don't, I really don't understand. You know, that's where I am bitter being like, so we are all now struggling to try to fix this country or do whatever, and Barack Obama has decided to go make content for Netflix like every other fucking, like every one of us this is what we're doing?
4: But did you guys know that the moon landing in 1969 1969- was real what what but it was not the first moon landing because seven years earlier the russians actually landed on the moon but they kept that one a secret because that was really just a test because it was the illuminati's plan to have the capitalists win the cold war uh but the russians had the same technology that we had but they sent the russians there first to make sure that the americans could actually do it
2: so they were our test dummy? Like our, what was those? crash oh, test are all dummies? working together. They're our crash test dummies?
1: Well, that's what they, okay, this is the whole Russian revisionism of all conspiracy theory. This is this weird thing that we're in this other spot where Russians did everything. They did Roswell. They did Rendlesham Forest. They did everything. They actually did it. We did nothing. We just, quote, we observe, we freak out, and we take credit for. And we do not, it's a very strange, almost like, I wonder, I saw a talk by a KGB officer a long time ago, That it was on Mm. YouTube, and he was talking about how we had, and this was in the 1990s, and he said, we have already deeply infiltrated the United States of America in terms of changing, shifting the thought from the inside out of the this concept of essentially flipping American exceptionalism, like doing that thing where we start to really doubt our ability and you slowly hack away at our ability to take care of ourselves and excel, like understanding that we can take yeah. care of everybody, vilifying socialism from within so much that we don't want to take care of anybody anymore and all we do is shovel money up to less and less people and then we have nothing and eventually we are just going to be ground into food for the rich but
2: henry how nice is it to give <laughs> they say giving is better than receiving and what are we doing if we're not giving yeah that makes us feel so good doesn't it feel good it Feels it feels
1: good i feel like yeah we're giving so much so many weapons we're giving a lot of weapons which i think is really great. i think that's that's important that's important i guess that's a part of our economy
2: Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of capitalism, without capitalism, we would never have one of the greatest inventions of all time, which is the telephone. Yeah. Also, without capitalism, we would never have one of the greatest cartoons of all time, which is Garfield. I understand you. Marcus is actually wearing a Garfield shirt. Um, And evidently in France, these two things are combined and Garfield phones have been washing up on the shores. But like a lot of them? Yeah.
1: It's been very strange. A French coastal community has finally cracked the mystery behind these Garfield telephones that have plagued its picturesque beaches for decades. Since the 1980s, the Iroh, the the, the no, it's you know it's the You know it's all words that in it's all letters in French you're not supposed to say. It's I R O I S E. Okay. Coast in Brittany has received a supply of bright orange landline novelty phones shaped like a famous cartoon cat. They keep washing up, and they've, it's been going on since the 80s. These constantly these weird-ass the Garfield phones keep like landing on the beach, and they've been trying to clean it up. So last year, campaigners from the Air Vilonsu anti-litter group made the novelty phone a symbol of the plastic pollution on the beaches of the Finistere region part of which is a designated marine park now once a common household item its eyes open in the land when the when the landline receivers picked up you guys ever have a garfield phone
2: oh, oh. yeah i always wanted
4: one i did love
2: them my Never brother had one. my brother had a full garfield themed room until he was 16 or 15 and then one weekend it was all rupaul and delight posters it went from jim davis posters and garfield posters jim davis actually signed a letter to my brother eric He was very oh,
4: nice it's very,
2: nice. very nice and then and then eric said i want to be an adult now and he and then he got into rupaul and then that uh i used to think she was quite attractive and she <laughs> that's that that's that but they uh, for a long time they thought well maybe there was some kind of Suspected
1: that there was a long lost shipping container. Um, ah. but, and they couldn't find it, but they kind of figured out where it would possibly happen. So the media attention on the news on the new campaign, however, drew the eye of a local farmer who remembered the first mm-hmm. Delapont Garfio appearing after a storm in the early mm. 1980s. So it sounds like the beginning of a weird crossover between Jim Davis and Stephen
3: King. Yeah. Where a <laughs> storm,
1: <laughs> and then all these things start showing up. And he's like, he said he knew the location of the container. He's like, you really had to know the area well, he told France Info, which had covered the campaign. We found the container aground in fissure. It was open. Many of the things were gone. But there still was a stack of ferns.
2: <laughs> I do love that you are turning into Charles Ng It is well. <laughs> A French really version did. of Charles Ng. <laughs> uh, but they found is... it. They
1: found a shipping container oh, lodged in a bunch of rocks. So they got it. So, so no more. So they. But they, they got can't the- get at it. They said basically they can see it. It is this thing has managed to insinuate itself down into a fissure, and they can see it from the top of the fissure. And it's still filled. It's got Garfield phones all at the bottom of it. <laughs> oh my god! And they god. just have to wait for them to dislodge all the way and come up. Yeah, one local
4: said, "Quote." It never stops.
2: Oh, the invasion (laughs) of the Garfield phones! No.
4: Uh, Actually, this article is written really well. This article is written great. It's from the San Francisco Gate. Just the first line is, year after year,
2: he came. (laughs) (laughs) Jim Jim Davis' by Katie Dowd at the San Francisco Uh. Gate. Good Lord. Ugh. Garfield's final revenge. I definitely had the Garfield phone. It worked. I kind of missed the landlines. We also had yeah. the, that's not a football, that's a telephone, <laughs> uh, which Sports Illustrated, once you got a subscription to Sports Illustrated, you would get a football phone. I miss the good novelty landline phone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one thing with the cell phones. They all look the same. You get the gigantic novelty phone case now. Yeah, you get the big old phone cases, but you can't fit it in the pocket. And then why does the phone have to have cat ears? I don't know. You could still get a landline. I know, but they still package it. They I always they, they always
1: Honestly, do it. They always I'm, say like if you want the internet, you can have a landline and you get
2: $5 off. I am scanning the walls of my apartment in my brain. I have to clean up some I have to rub r- wipe off some some of the some of the p- tomato sauce there, but I don't even think there's a plug in for it. Where have you ever have You, you have seen one behind land-
1: the couch. I know you have one behind the couch. I remember it. God, that's creepy. <laughs> God, I knew that's your apartment weird. so well.
2: I was there for 15 years. <laughs> I know where. I remember. You remember? When Murder Fist used to, every night, 10 Murder Fist members would come, and you know what they would do, Marcus? They fart. would write. And they would fart. <laughs> yes, they would fart. Absolutely. They would write, um, which also was like, had a lot of 40s involved mm-hmm. uh, with it. Um, by the way, Henry, speaking of local. Um, Williamsburg, my area there. Hamood, our deli guy, died. I saw oh. that post. That's incredibly sad. Yeah, he was so sweet. He, he was, was sweet. Uh, yeah, when I was all dead broke, I would go in there on a Monday and be like, "I don't got money until Friday," and then he'd be like, "Get whatever you want, pay on Friday. You let me get beers and sandwiches and chips, whatever I wanted." No, you know, he was so good to our
1: whole group. We were always he was so in there. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, such so a shame, man. I'm so I glad. Know. Well, you know,
2: God, I wonder what he died
1: of. Is it like deli cancer? <laughs> I don't know.
2: I did not ask about that. No, no, I actually did ask. It was a, it was a, a heart attack. It happened out of the blue. He worked know. himself to death. He literally worked. Oh man, he yeah. Was that day, is daily cancer. Twelve hours a day, seven days a week. At least, yeah. He was he was, he was just awesome. Anyway, R.I.P. My man Hamoud. And uh, anyway, take care of yourself, folks. Yeah, don't Life is Yeah, get wait. on the elliptical, man.
1: Cardio is what keeps your heart strong.
2: And if you like to sit, do what I got. I got a rower. That's nice. That's You've nice. been using it? Yes. You no, I actually just have been. Sit nice. on been... it, though. It's not just a chair. <laughs> I know. I've been rowing. I've, I talked to my therapist. I'm doing a lot of things. Nice. I'm doing a lot of things. That is great. Um, all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening, Marcus. Thank you for coming in and sharing your Illuminati knowledge. Yes, yes. Henry, great poetry. It, it would, it's not my poetry, it's
1: Joseph Calenter's poetry. So thank him. Yeah. And, and honestly, thank him for was... the material. Thank him for two episodes of material. I guess we have to do that now. Do we have to thank the serial killers? Uh, we don't. That they gave us? We no. absolutely
2: don't, no. Good. No. Good. I'm just wondering yeah. just checking. No, no, no <laughs> that's it's a good, good check-in. I don't think we have to, and I would prefer if we ran out of content, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, that's the one again. thing about this life, is that we will never run out of content. Yeah. S- sad, unfortunate, um, but if you want to be a subject that we cover on last podcast, no violence, Find us an alien, find us a cryptid. Yeah. You do one of those two things and we will talk about you. And, and also uh,
1: send it to Side Stories L P O T L at Gmail.com. We always go through those letters. We like yep. this time it was just fun to talk about the, what we had prepared, but we love reading what you guys have to say and reading the letters on the air. It's so much fun to die. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, live every day, man. Live every day. Mm-hmm. Don't live every other day. No,
0: you, know what I mean?
1: you don't go get out to do that. No, you don't get to. Unfortunately, no. you don't want to live on Tuesday. You got to. And they're going to make you live on Tuesday unless you stopped because then you can't go to work. And that's all they mm. care about anymore. Uh, mm. Laugh, 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 laugh like it's <laughs> the first time you're seeing John Turturro in Brain Donors. you have seen that.
2: Film. <laughs> it does not oh hold God. up. It's that, not is a, that is a deep cut. It yeah.
1: is. It is. Wow. I've been thinking about it quite a bit. And really? love, love for the way you look for at me. It's L. That's a letter. Break down the letters and make them fucking make it up for yourself what the letters fucking stand for. Holy shit. You know, Gary Busey at least fills
2: in all of his acronyms.
1: Well, it's because he's got nothing else to do all day. <laughs> he's got to
4: build the acronyms.
2: <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. I'm a Hail me. If you would, thank you
1: for listening again. Yes, thank you you for listening. Thank you. We wouldn't be here if not for you. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: Nine one one, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship.
2: Somebody Tonight, nine one one comes to ABC. We're gonna make it out of here. We gotta work together. Tonight at nine on ABC, followed by Seven News at eleven. This is why you watch Seven News at five. This breaking story is happening as we speak. To get breaking news from the alert desk, when I know about it, you'll know about it first. So you're always connected with what's happening now. Only on Seven News at five.